Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Today, as we, uh, as we continue in our series called Blessed, can someone say blessed? I think that beautifully illustrates the heart of God towards humanity, whatever place you come from, whatever state you find yourself in, God's heart towards you is one that you would be blessed. His desire for you and I is that we would live blessed lives, lives of abundance, lives that are full, lives that are topped up to the brim and then just kind of spilling over a little more after that. That's the heart of God towards you and I, that we would live blessed. So all month long, we're talking about what it is to be blessed. And, uh, you know, I believe one of the greatest illustrations of blessing, though it's, it's really limited, uh, ends up being uh, financial. So often when we talk about blessing, we talk about finances, not because finance is the only way we're blessed, but it is a tangible way to see this act of blessing take place. And so throughout this month, as we talk about blessing uh, and we talk about finance, I hope you don't say that one equals the other, but see that one is only illustrating the other, that financial things can, can point to principles that, that God uh, desires towards humanity. Does that make sense to everybody? If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to jump on the podcast, check out the message last week where we talked specifically about, about the tithe and, and, and really what it's not. It's not the law. It's not, it's not uh, uh, a tax type system. It's not the only way that God blesses you. So maybe you've heard that or, or believed that or leaned into that, then unless I tithe properly and accurately, God won't bless me. Man, God will bless you because of who he is. God loves to bless people. And he blesses in a, a complete and total way. And then he also says above and beyond, here's some specific ways that I want to bless you. But today, if you're taking notes, you can write this down on the top of your page. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. Blessing is about the heart. You know that God's desire for you and I is that he'd have a heart? Me and Zach have been pondering that and both agree that that could be the case. So I say it, and he goes, hmm, 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 and everyone else stares blankly. Zach, I'm glad that you have received that revelation along with me. Do you know that, that, that God's desire of like blessing towards you, he doesn't want to get your money. He wants your heart. Okay, now five people have become convinced. You know, you know, you know what happens? A loud church gets shorter preaching. It just happens. I'm telling you, a loud church, if you respond, the preacher's like, cool, we know this. Let's go for food. It's amazing. I want to encourage you. Lean in. Join me today. God's desire is to have a heart. Whoa, that's real. That's the stuff. God's desire is that he have our heart. It's a heart thing. Let me show you a scripture often quoted. And uh, and I want you to, if you would, just highlight mentally with me uh, all of the places that this scripture refers to money, okay? All of the money references in this scripture. It's going to help you and I as we establish a foundation today. I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 7, if you would. Matthew chapter 7. All of the places that Matthew chapter 7 uh, references money. It's up on the screen there, so you can check it out as well. Matthew chapter 7, 1 and 2 says this. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, everybody, quick little quiz now. Where in this scripture do you see the word money? 
It's not because it's the wrong scripture. It's actually because the word money isn't in there. Often this is quoted as, a, as this giving type narrative. I'll show you in a second. But the reality is God is speaking to a principle. He's, here's the principle, a principle called sowing and reaping. What you give will actually return to you. And with the measure that you give, it'll be returned. What's it talking about? Judgment. Interesting. God is saying this. I want you to to show kindness in the way that you interact with one another. If you judge others, uh, you're just going to end up having judgment pointed back at you. He's saying you and I get to choose the type of relational system that we live in. If we are pointing a finger and pointing out flaws, inevitably that same finger will be pointing out the flaws in us. So judge not, or you too will be judged in the same measure that you judge, it'll be judged to you. Can we read this together just so we get it in our hearts? Up on the screen there together. Let's read it together. Ready? Do not judge. Nice and loud, vivid. Here we go. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Now look over into Luke chapter 6. Okay? Luke chapter 6. Let's compare these two pieces of scripture and see if perhaps uh, they, they align in any way. Jesus is speaking the same thing. Little hint, he is, and they do, okay? So so Matthew, he's writing the things that Jesus said in kind of point form. Anybody point form note taker, right? And then Luke, he's a doctor. Luke, he's writing a little more detail. I don't know how they ever read his handwriting enough to put it down in a book. He was a doctor, but here we go. Three people who have ever struggled to read a prescription caught that one. Here we go. Check, check that first line. It says, do not judge or you and you will not be judged. Does that sound familiar? Like, sounds like the same kind of sentiment that that we just read in Matthew, okay? Now look at the last statement, okay? The last statement in this passage of Scripture. Let's see if it seems familiar. It says this, for with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Sound familiar? Okay, here's what's happening. It's the same sermon. Matthew wrote down a few notes here. He said, judge not, you'll be judged. Same measure you use, used to you. Okay. Luke, he said, yo, Jesus also said one other thing, Matthew, while you were struggling to write down those point forms. Here's the other thing he said. Look at the, the, the piece in the middle, okay? It says, do not judge and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be poured into your lap? Here, Jesus is saying, here's a principle. What you use will be actually used to measure back to you. Here are some examples. It's like in the way you give judgment. It's like in the way you give condemnation. It's like in the way you give forgiveness. Do you know, if we really believe this principle is true, I think we'd be a little more careful in the way we interact with others, wouldn't we? If we give judgment, we can anticipate and expect judgment coming down, not only in a one-for-one type ratio, but good measure, pressed down, Shaken together and overflowing. You ever baked before? You use that, you, you grab a, a measuring cup, you scoop out some flour, and then you give it the little pat, and all of a sudden there's more room in that cup, isn't there? It seemed full until you press it down and shake it together. And then you, you can add a little more, and the Bible says this, it'll actually overflow. This passage, perhaps you've heard it quoted specifically in the area of giving financially. I think it's an application you can make, but I don't think it's the context that Jesus was speaking it in. He was saying as a principle, when you give judgment, you're going to receive judgment, not only one for one, but, but, but more than you gave. When you give forgiveness, you will receive forgiveness back, not only one for one, 
but overflowing. How many people would rather have grace poured into your lap than judgment? How many people would rather have forgiveness overflowing into your life than, than uh, bitterness? How many people would rather have the generosity, kindness of spirit that looks you in the eye and hears your story poured out into your life rather than someone brushing you off? Okay, you with me? Here's the, the principle that God is speaking to, the system that he's working. Often quoted in this way, give money and you will receive money. Not only one for one, because let's be honest, I have a dollar. If the principle is give a dollar and you'll get a dollar back, I'll just keep my dollar. I already have a dollar. That, like, this, is, this is really simple. Like I'll just keep it and we'll cut out the middleman. But, but here's, it's like a multiplied principle. Put seed into the ground, receive a plant back that bears fruit that holds seed. Put a seed of judgment into the ground in your relationships and receive a tree of judgment that grows back with fruit filled with judgment seeds. Give a seed of forgiveness to the people around you. I mean, for some of you, this is a Mother's Day message. Give a seed of forgiveness to those around you. Grow a tree that has fruit that bears forgiveness seeds in it. And then it says, uh, give. See, the heart of God is, is to give. The most quoted scripture, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. See, that's the heart of God towards you and I. He's a giver. He's a blesser. He, he, Jesus put it this way. I came so you could live abundant lives. Like I, I didn't come so you could just get by. You know, I think there's some people who have ascribed to God blessing that wasn't actually his blessing. Here's what I mean. Like, well, I barely made it through. God is good. Yes, God is good. And perhaps you barely made it through, but the two are not linked. See, the blessing of God is not that you just barely scrape by and barely make it through and have just enough. The, the heart of God towards us is that we live an abundant life, a full life, an overflowing life, a blessed life. You know, this word blessed, it comes from a Greek word, makarios, which means to be made happy. I have a theological complaint against grumpy Christians. Right? Just my personality type. I'm just stoic. No. You got it. Like, blessing is at, it overflows. Tell your face you're blessed. Come on. Some of you got to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and just say, you are blessed. I say that to my wife every morning when I look in the mirror. Just kidding. <laughs> you're blessed. Come on, you're blessed. Let me, let me show you in Deuteronomy chapter 15. Turn all the way to the Old Testament here. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Uh, I believe the, the heart of God for you and I is that we would develop a heart similar to his. That we would grow up into the nature that is like him. Does that make sense? God's desire for humanity is that we would begin to reflect him more and more. And his heart towards us is a heart of giving. His heart towards us is a heart of generosity. We talk about giving every single week at Vivid. Every week. Not, we don't preach about money every single week, but we talk about giving. Grace is giving. Forgiveness is gi forgiveness. It's giving. God is a giver. And he desires for us to develop that same type of heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, I want to show you four simple things here. And I, I will tell you this at the onset. The, there's a, a pastor named Robert Morris who wrote a book called The Blessed Life. And, and some of the content today comes from uh, the study that he's put in to what this is to live in blessing. Just want to make sure I give credit and honor where it's due. But he did give it freely, so we're going to use it here. And uh, we're going to reap the benefit of that generosity. Ready? Deuteronomy chapter 15. Let's read this together. It says, for the Lord your God will bless you just as he has promised. 
and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You will rule over many and not be ruled over by any. See, catch this. Blessing is not that you had just enough for you. You will be blessed. Here's how you know. You can lend to others. Here's how you know you're blessed. You have more than you need. Here's how you know that that God's blessing is for you. You're going to find yourself on the giving end relationally often. Some people are frustrated how blessed they are. Like, oh, it's not fair. I'm just, I feel like I'm always giving. Whoa, you're so blessed. How awesome is that? You are so blessed. So blessed that you're positioned in a way that you can be the giver. Says this, if anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Can you catch that? God is giving you. God, the giver, he's giving land. Amazing. He said, even the home you have, the place you call home, the place you belong, that came from me as well. says this, don't be hard-hearted and don't be tight-fisted towards them. Isn't that interesting that there's a connection between our heart and our hands? Isn't that interesting that if our hearts become hard, our fists become tight? That when we have a hard heart, we find ourselves saying mine. With a soft heart, we, says, we say ours, but with a hard heart, we say mine. I think it's interesting today as we, honor, as we honor moms, probably most of the things that we would honor about our mom are heart-oriented. They're heart-related, right? Like not many people say, man, I'm just so grateful for my mom. Like in grade 11, she got really good grades. I'm really grateful for her. Well, what does that have to do with it? I'm really grateful for my mom. You know, her favorite color, aquamarine. It's one of the things I love about my mom. So grateful for it. It might be true, but that's, that's not the thing that, that stands out to you, right? Really love my mom. Like, she's a big fan of the Olympics. That's what I love about your mom. Uh, okay. What do you notice about your mom? She loves you unconditionally. She cares for you. She's the one, she's the one who cleans up your messes. Like, it's all those heart-oriented things. Little newsflash. You know this? Nobody else thinks your mom's food is as good as you think your mom's food is. It's true. Every person's like, oh, my mom's food is the best. And then your friends start like, yeah, her lasagna is pretty good. It's not as good as my mom's lasagna. Why? Because you know the heart that went into it. You were on her mind when she was making that lasagna. You were on her mind when she was baking those cookies, and so you feel the heart that goes into it. It's the heart thing. So here he goes, this, don't have a hard heart, because a hard heart leads to a tight fist. You know what Jesus, he puts it this way. He says where you, where you invest your treasure, where you open your hand, your heart actually follows. I think there's a lot of people that are expecting it to happen the other way. They're like, I'll just wait until my heart gets stirred up, my heart gets moved, and I feel it, and I really want to be generous. I really want to be kind. I really want to be a blessing. And then if I ever come to that conclusion at some point, then I will open my hand towards it. Jesus said, no, no, it's this way. Open your hand towards what you value. Your heart's going to follow. You're going to find yourself so invested emotionally into the thing that you invest your treasure into. It says, don't be hard-hearted. Don't be tight-fisted. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend whatever they need. It says this, be careful that you don't harbor this wicked thought. Ready? Here's the thought. The seventh year is coming, the year for canceling debts. It's near. Make sure you don't think about that so that you do not show ill will towards the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. Now, some of you are like, I was following you, hard heart, tight fist, open hand, land, and then the seventh year thing, you lost me. Let me give you some context. Here was the economic system that God put into place in the entire community. Every seventh year, all the debts were forgiven. 
How many people would like to reinstitute that right now? You know, it's like the bank calls you up. You know, it's been seven years since since uh, you graduated. It's yours. Just student loans gone. Imagine like the, the lender calls you up. Hey, congratulations. You've been paying your mortgage off for seven whole years now. House is yours. That was the economic system that God had in place person to person. That, that, that people didn't hold long debts. That people didn't say, hey, remember that one time years ago? That was three bucks for gas money. Inflation, we're adding that up. You owe me big. But there was this freedom that came. He says, hey, I don't want you to be the type of person who's thinking thoughts of like even Stephen. Don't be the type of person who's always trying to keep track. The type of person who's saying, wait a second, if I, if I bless this person now, what's in it for me? You see, when Jesus, when he was talking about that judge not or you two will be judged, give and it will be given back to you, it comes right on the tails of him saying this. When someone asks you to walk a mile with them, walk too. When someone asks for, for your coat, give them your coat and your entire outfit. When, 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 like he's like, look for opportunities to be extravagant in the way you give and don't think what's in it for me. Here's what, what God says. He goes, that selfish thought of what's in it for me, how is this going to benefit me? He actually refers to it as wicked. Did you catch that? Check this. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15, if we could pull it back up on the screen, it says this. Don't have that wicked thought in your heart. They may appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. Well, that's pretty straight up. You say, no, no, I'm not a sinner. I'm just, I'm just cheap. Anyone have a cheap friend? Anyone know you might be the cheap friend sometimes? Like, I'm not saying that you're a sinner, just the Bible is. Okay. <laughs> but he's saying this, hey, don't be the type of person who's thinking, what's in it for me? That selfishness actually is going to hold you back from experiencing the blessing that God has for you. Why? Not because, because of money, but it's a heart thing. If you're taking notes, write it down first. Let's deal with our selfish hearts. Whenever we find ourselves tabulating, whoa, 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 what's in it for me? Can they pay me back? Jesus puts it this way, even down to, the, he goes, when you throw a party, don't invite only people who will also throw parties and invite you back. When you give a gift, don't just find the type of people who will also give good gifts back. When you give a gift, don't keep track and say, you know how much that gift costs. Don't be the person who leaves the tag on and then goes, oops, Oh, this is embarrassing. I hope you caught that. Did you write down all those zeros? Come on, get all those zeros down because my birthday's coming up too. So it's like, like this is kind of just this wickedness on the inside of us, this selfishness. This isn't, isn't God-like. This isn't the, the, the desire or the design God has for our heart. Why? Because it's a heart thing. He wants our hearts to reflect his nature. So we need to deal with our selfish hearts. Mom's in the room. You know this. Your baby, they, they, they grow, they learn to move around a little bit, they start putting everything in their mouth, they kind of toddle around, and then it's amazing, they learn their first word, their first word, yours. No kid ever on earth, right? Oh, it's yours. No, we learn mine pretty quick, don't we? We learn mine and no. It's, it's amazing how quick we learn those things. And you see kids interacting. I've seen it with my own kids sometimes. One of them picks up a toy and the other sibling goes, well, I, I wanted that toy. I was thinking about wanting that toy. Okay, well, you can have that toy. And so their sibling grabs another one. I also want that one because it's mine. I'm keeping track. God says this, don't be the type of person that's keeping track. That selfish heart, I look at it as wickedness. It doesn't reflect my nature at all. 
Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Let's deal with our grieving hearts. Check out what I mean. Look at in the scripture here. It says this. Uh, verse 10, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Other translations say without a grieving heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in everything you put your hand to. Have you ever heard of buyer's remorse? Yeah? You're like, oh, man, I, I only wanted the value meal, but that picture of the deluxe combo looks amazing. And then you get it and you unwrap it and you're like, they photoshopped it. They got me. Like, like, ever been to the restaurant? You're like, that is not worth that much money. They got me. Or you thought, you know what? It doesn't fit perfectly, but it's a really good deal. Right? This item of clothes is not exactly my fit. Or the, these shoes are only a half size, the wrong size, but I really like them. Or, or have you ever been there? Buyer's remorse. You purchase something, and then right after purchasing it, you're like, oh, what have I done? That was a lot of money. There's also something called giver's remorse. Giver's remorse. You were in a restaurant together with a friend. The waitress comes up, says one bill or two. You look at each other, and you're able to go, ah, ah, ah. And then you're thinking, I thought waiting this long would make you jump in. If you're not going to jump in, I don't want to be the guy who says two. So you just go, oh, yeah, one, one. It's on me. And, oh, what have I done? They bought an appetizer, too. What have I done? And then they say this. Then they, they go, oh, hey, bro, I'll get you next time. And then you're like, no, don't worry about it. What have I done? Why did I just say don't worry about it? I want you to worry about it. You ought to be worrying about it. Cost me. Have you ever, you ever had that grieving heart? Here's what God says. He goes, no, no, give generously. And don't think, like, what have I just done? His selfishness attacks us before we give. Grieving attacks us after we give. Selfishness is what, what causes us to have a, a tight hand and hold on and, and never be willing to give. Grieving is what makes us wish we never did in the first place. Oh, man, have you ever given and then something breaks? Like, like you, you help someone else and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, now I could really use. Like you sponsor a child and you're really moved and excited and they send you a letter and you put their picture on your fridge. And then something like in your life practical happens. You're like, ooh, that $40 would have really been helpful this month. Ever been there? Grieving heart? Here's what God says. Hey, don't worry about that thing because I will actually cause whatever you put your hand to to prosper. I love that he doesn't say this. Don't worry about the money because I'll, I'll give you that money with interest. I'll give you that money and then a little, little bump up. He goes this, I will actually cause everything in your life to prosper. If you can deal with the heart thing, then, then you have positioned yourself to receive God's blessing. Imagine the weight of God's blessing on everything you put your hand to. Like, like relational communication, all of a sudden, like, why did it get so easy? Why? Because your heart shifted? Finally, like, man, I have all these creative thoughts right now. Like, usually I struggle, and I've got, like, this mental block. Where are these thoughts coming from? I really think that what the Bible would be teaching here is that when you get your heart right, everything else starts to fall in place. I think what, what gets missed here, the teaching that gets missed here is, well, I gave, and I gave $10, and now I need pressed down, shaken together, running over like 450 And what's going on? I gave like two days ago, and God, I'm expecting that. That's giving to get. Like imagine God, like I'm really proud of all my children. They've received the, uh, the revelation of getting. Powerful. No, he wants us to get the revelation of, of giving. That as God gives to us, we're able to give to others. So don't, 
Let's deal with our selfish hearts. I think this probably gets tested nearly every day. Let's deal with our grieved hearts. They go, oh, what was I thinking? Let's deal with that and just trust God. Man, I am making an investment. You know the Bible says in Proverbs that those who lend to the, the poor have actually lended to God? That, that when you give to those around you, God's keeping track. So it's like you don't have to keep track because God's keeping track. When you keep track, it's wickedness. God keeping track is his faithfulness. And he's going he's gonna to bless you. He's going to take care. Not only finances, not only pocketbook. Did we say pocketbook anymore? I haven't said pocketbook ever. But he's going to bless whatever you put your hand to. Then check this out. Continue on here. It says this uh, uh, down to verse 11. There will always be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites, those who are poor and in need. And if any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you to serve for six years on the seventh year, you must let them go. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally. Can someone say liberally? Come on, everyone say liberally. Another word would be generously. Supply for them liberally, generously from your flock, your threshing floor, your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Not only do we need to deal with our selfish heart and deal with our grieving heart, we also need to develop a generous heart. I love that God gives guidelines. Here's what generosity looks like to me. See, these people who would have sold themselves into slavery were so indebted that not only did they say, you can have everything that's mine, but also my time is yours. I need to pay off my debt. And it was already seen perhaps as a kindness that at the seventh year, you would say, your debt is paid. That was already seen as like, okay, fine, we're doing it to honor God. But then God says, this is what generosity looks like to me. Not, not just that someone gets back to zero and you say, we're even now but then you liberally, generously find ways to get blessing into their life. Flocks, threshing floor, wine press. It's like it doesn't matter what, what they did, find ways to get blessing into their life. And then it says this, give in proportion to the way God has blessed you. You know how we develop a generous heart? By knowing how blessed we are. How do we develop a generous heart? By understanding our blessing. The other week, uh, last week, I was leaving church and I had uh, Jennifer and I, we had all seven of our kids and we were walking from here. It's amazing. You got seven kids and then they all have stuff. See, <laughs> parents, you know what I'm talking about. Kids have stuff, right? And they have usually three hands full of stuff, but they only have two hands. And then you expect them to hold your hand. So you, both your hands are full with their stuff. One of their hands is full and then they're trying to hold your hand. So they're holding one of your fingers so that you can use their stuff. We do that seven times. Jennifer and I feel like octopi. You know, we got hands and, and stuff everywhere. And so we're walking through the street, just like this mob of people. And I ran into someone who works in the same building where our office is. And I've only ever seen, seen him during the week and and, uh, and I don't typically have this many people with me in the week. And, and I walked up, and, and he saw me, and he goes, oh, 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 <laughs> Yeah. He goes, that, are these all yours? These are all yours. Like, these are all, these are all yours. And then he just kept asking the same question over and over. I was appreciating it because sometimes people ask weird questions. Like, they're like, wow, uh, yeah, did you plan all of these? Imagine you're like, yes, yes, no, kind of, yes, yes, no. <laughs> right? When people ask questions, like, uh, do you know how that happens? I'm like, yep. <laughs> it's like, I can beat you at this game. I'll make you awkward. I'm not awkward. 
But he just said this. He's like, these, what? What? These are, these are all yours. Yeah, yeah, these are all, these are all mine. These are all mine. And as we were walking away, he looked at me. He says, you are a rich man. You are a rich man. And man, like there's this part of me, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I actually have to pay for all of them. And when they all wear out of shoes on the same week, I don't feel very rich. But he's right, I'm a rich man. Man, have you ever just stopped to consider how blessed you are? Just stop to think, man, God has blessed me. That's how you develop a generous heart. That's how you, generous heart does not come by comparison. Gener, generosity, I think this is like this negative twist. I could say to you today, think of how blessed you are. Think of all the people in the world that are not as blessed as you. Feel bad for them. And by that, you'll somehow feel good about yourself. It doesn't work that way. Looking at those who have, because comparison then will always lead you to looking at those who have more than you and feeling pity. You'd be like, yeah, but consider that person on the Forbes top list. I'm not there yet. And so, man, that's not how it works. Eyes not fixed on those ahead or those behind. Eyes fixed on Jesus. He's been good to you. He's been great to you. And so he goes, how do you get generosity on the inside of you? Consider the way that you've been blessed. And this takes development. This takes development. Not to just say, okay, it's even. It's fair now. God said, I don't want you to be fair. I want you to be generous. I don't want you to be fair. I want you to be generous. Be kind. Lastly is the band returns. Okay, first we got to, let's deal with our selfish heart. Second, let's deal with our grieving heart. See, God says selfishness looks like wickedness. And he says, why would you be grieved? You've actually positioned yourself to be blessed now. Thirdly, let's develop a generous heart that comes from understanding how, how blessed we've been, how good God has been to us. And then lastly, uh, verse 15, if you could pull that scripture up one more time. Thank you so much. Malaika's amazing. Can we give it up for Malaika? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Verse 15 says this, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. That is why. That is why. See, we develop a grateful heart. We develop a heart that understands and remembers what we've been saved from. Not just what we have that we'd call blessing, but we've been redeemed. To be redeemed means that we were bought back. God in his kindness has purchased us. Jesus in his kindness towards humanity has made a transaction on our behalf. He bought us. He bought us out of sin. He bought us out of the slavery we had to sin so that we can live in freedom. He says, this is why I give you this command. I love that the word it doesn't call it a suggestion. No one could read this and say, well, that's good. Like, I'm more of a faith person, but someone else needs to develop a generous heart. I'm like a service person. I serve. Someone else should be generous. Now, I'm consistent. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just that consistent, solid, salt-of-the-earth type person. Cool. But, but Jesus has commanded that we grow in generosity. You know, today, and I've, I've sat in, in times like this, and perhaps you'll experience some times like this, but but even when we, when we exercise generosity in church, it's not because we want to like, fulfill this mission that God has. It's not like I can say, guys, can I just pull up the church budget for you? We got some needs. Man, if we could all pitch in, pitch together, work together, we could do bigger things and better things. As if gener like giving was something God developed because he was in need. He developed giving for us. He developed giving for us because giving destroys selfishness. 
Thanksgiving destroys selfishness and positions us in a place to see him for who he is. Imagine, God's not sitting up in heaven, oh man, we ran out of gold and there's still another street to pave. Like, I better hit up the church again. Maybe the church can come through. We need more gold in heaven because that pothole right there, the streets are paved with gold. We need to fill it up. That's not God's heart as if he needs something from us, but he desires something for us. That we would have freedom in the, the, the area of fear and anxiety that comes with what we think is mine. Do you know what's true? Is, is that when God looks towards you and I, he says, mine. I've redeemed them. Mine. I chose them. They're mine. I called them. They're mine. I saw their flaws, but I still chose them. Mine. He goes, if we can get that in our heart, that gratitude, that grateful heart, sometimes we just need to stop and consider, how saved are we? Woo! Like, how saved are we? Ridiculously, overwhelmingly saved. The, 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 the Bible says this, our sin has been removed from us as far as east is from west. That is unfathomably far. There is no end to how saved we are in Christ. And if we're that saved, if we've been that bought back, if we've been that redeemed, Okay, if someone's going to clap, we're going to join them. Come on, let's join a sister right here. If we're that saved and if we're that redeemed, that gratitude ought to look like something. Jesus said, here's what it looks like. Be generous. Give, and it will be given back to you. Don't give thinking, oh, man, what's in it for me? Just give knowing God already made it all about you so it doesn't have to be about you in your own mind anymore. You've been set free from that way of thinking, set free from that system that says, I get what I deserve. I get more than I deserve. God is a God of grace. His mercies were new for me today, even though I did not deserve them. Is anybody grateful for that? Come on, can I pray for We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.